Are we seeing a government by mystery? Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. This is Dr. Johnny. Uh, we are in uh, central Minnesota, and it's a beautiful summer day here in the middle to end of September. And so we in uh, Minnesota land are enjoying that tremendously. There's been, uh, again, a lot of changes this week, and I want to get right into that. But let me just quickly mention uh, one comment about last week's episode. Uh, I talked uh, last week about uh, black messaging matters and trying to compel uh, those that are uh, pushing forward uh, equality, and I might be one of those people. I uh, want to be an advocate for anything that's broken in our culture, uh, but I just felt like uh, the messaging uh, matters, and it's interesting. The Black uh, Lives Matter movement uh, had a what we believe section, and in that what we believe section, they listed, and I'm going to quote, We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Well, I'm happy to report that there was a lot of, if I can use the word, pushback uh, from the culture regarding that uh, phrase and line. Uh, And it was, just as a couple days ago, removed from their what we believe section. And so I bring that up to Matt to to, uh, explain to you that black messaging matters as what I was talking about last week, but also your voice matters, the things that matter to us and as a culture, because it's impossible to believe that uh, blowing up the nuclear family is going to be a positive for anybody. And so we need to sit back, we need to look at what is the best culture, and we know that his ways are higher than our ways, and so we look to that for culture. So blowing up the nuclear family or promoting violence, it's not going to play for the vast majority of American citizens. And so again, to those who are dark brown skinned and and pushing for real change, and those who, like me, are more light skinned and pushing for real change, a unified message is important. Messaging matters, a unified message that people will support and follow. And you might be surprised how many people support and follow it. This week, I want to talk about uh, the title of my podcast is Government by Mystery. Now, you may think that that makes this podcast somewhat of a mystery because you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'll get to that in just one second. You know, I I had uh, some previous podcasts, actually my most listened to podcasts at the very beginning of this coronavirus pandemic. And uh, I had one titled Virus and Science and Bears, oh my, I was very proud of that title. And one called Give Me Liberty or Prevent My Death. And I was talking about uh, the the way that, that uh, things need to be managed early on in the course of this pandemic. It was interesting 
I uh, really listened to our governor, Governor Walls, uh, who's uh, our, our governor here in Minnesota, and he laid out a plan, an initial plan for how Minnesota is going to approach this pandemic. And as a physician and having met together with my physician group and, and uh, our, our regional leaders about what we were going to do, his plan actually made a whole lot of sense. And, and really, if I could summarize it once again for you, the plan was that this coronavirus is highly infective, is coming in, infective coming into our country, and we need to be prepared medically to treat an influx of potentially critically ill patients. Now, let's be super clear, and this is my understanding, sort of looking back in history, that really Italy was the problem. <laughs> Italy freaked us out. What happened in Italy is a very elderly population and a very unprepared medical system that when the influx of COVID hit and there was a, a, a huge number of critically ill patients as a proportion to the population that we're seeing, Italy was underprepared to meet that demand. And what happened was sort of the unthinkable, the, the uh, situation where I as a medical profession or any of us as a society or just mankind in general would never want to be in. And they, were, they got themselves into a position where they had to choose who was going to live or die based simply on the number of ventilators that would be available as a life-saving measure to those critically ill. Now, Governor Walls went on TV and online to explain that actual uh, proposition, that if this happens in America, we need to be prepared. So because of that, he laid out a plan that would, that would have a state lockdown that would require us to stay home, uh, avoid other people, social distancing. That's when all of this language began, if you remember, uh, with the idea that we would get um, our situation in order so that we can provide critical management to these patients once the quote-unquote surge happened in Minnesota. So that's what happened. And if you listen to my podcast early on, I was actually an advocate of that and felt like that actually made a lot of sense. I listened to what he had to say. He laid it out somewhat eloquently. And according to my medical knowledge and the things that we had been researching, it made a lot of sense. And so I supported at that time uh the lockdown and the things that were taking place. Now, I also quoted around that time, the declaration of independence, uh, the line that says to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That was the, the mission statement, the, the drive, the, the thing that we were going to use to define our country. And so I'm going to quote myself. This is what I said. This is what I said at the beginning of the pandemic. I am at this time, willing to consent to this current course because I am informed and choose to. But let's never take our hand off the reins of liberty. Too many have died to hand it to us, and their lives are just as important as the ones we are currently saving. So that's what I said, and I still believe that. And I also stated at that time in that podcast that I don't believe in my heart this is about control yet, is what I said. So to you, my listener, I, I just I made a pledge to you that I would follow this and follow this closely. And so I have watched this closely as a Christian, as a physician, and I believe that my stances are changing. 
I now believe, and I'm going to use my state as an example, and what I'm seeing in this, uh, the way the government, our local government officials are handling this, that this is becoming more about control. And it concerns me. And that's why I'm bringing this back to this podcast, because I told you I would. I told you I would watch it. And I was even warned by many of you listeners that are probably listening now that we have to be careful about not letting down any liberty or giving away any liberty. I understood medically what was happening. And so I was looking for what would happen once Governor Wall's um, goal was achieved. So let me just read a dissertation by Ronald Reagan. I think it sums up exactly what I want to talk about in this podcast. Ronald Reagan said, We created government as our servant, beholden to us, and possessing no powers except those voluntarily granted to it by us. Now a self-anointed elite in our nation's capital would have us believe we're incapable of guiding our own destiny. They practice government by mystery, telling us it's too complex for our understanding. Believing this, they assume we might panic if we were to be told the truth about our problems. Why should we become frightened? No people who ever lived on this earth have fought harder, paid a higher price for freedom, or done more to advance the dignity of man than the living Americans. The Americans living in this land today there isn't any problem we can't solve if government will give us the facts, tell us what needs to be done, and then get out of the way and let us have at it. I really believe those words by Ronald Reagan, and I believe, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And here we are in the midst of a pandemic, and we're trying to figure out the role of government and I think if you're like me, becoming maybe increasingly uncomfortable with the scope and the reach of what government is doing, let me just tell you where we're at with COVID-19 now. There are 200,000 deaths from COVID in America. Now, again, in my first podcast titled Virus and Science and Bears, Oh My, I discussed, you know, viruses and, and pandemics and epidemics that happen quite frequently all throughout history. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast again, because it'll give you a lot of reference to what I'm talking about today. But it's interesting, the deaths from influenza, seasonal influenza, in America is right around at the most 60,000. They thought maybe 80,000 in 2018. So I even asked my children this today, which is more shocking to you? 200,000 deaths from COVID this year or 60,000 deaths from influenza every year? Well, they didn't really know the answer, so I, I told them what I felt. <laughs> and I feel, I feel strongly that the 60,000 deaths from influenza is actually more remarkable. Why? Because we have a vaccine and we actually have a treatment such as Tamiflu. Now, Tamiflu isn't a cure-all, but it actually shortens the course of influenza when we can give it to you as patients early. 
And we have a vaccine. I cited the statistics that really only about 50% of Americans get the vaccine. But, but hear me in this. If you're in a nursing home, you get the vaccine whether you like it or not. It's an automatic. So all of our elderly population in nursing homes are receiving the influenza vaccine. But despite that, still there are 60,000 deaths on top of that. And influenza, very similarly to COVID, really affects the elderly disproportionately in a major way. Here in Minnesota, the average death is age 84. Now, I know my parents are listening. Hi, mom and dad. They're in their 80s. Their lives aren't any less important than everybody else, but we already have tagged that demographic as being high risk. It's true for influenza. It's definitely true for COVID. Now, we know that COVID is highly transmissible. It's... um, and we know that that uh, it can spread quite easily. We also are starting to think that it's not super mutatable, which means that unlike influenza, where we have to sort of develop a new vaccine every year because it changes and shifts, we're not necessarily seeing that with COVID yet, but time will certainly tell with that. So it goes back a little bit to my vaccine conversation, that when this vaccine does come out, I'm going to highly encourage my listeners to take it. I believe that if we can give the COVID vaccine like we give the influenza vaccine to the most vulnerable population, remember the average age, which means that there are those much older than 84, the average age of death is 84, and it's virtually non-existent in the younger population. So if we can give the COVID vaccine to our most susceptible demographic, the death rate should plummet. It should plummet if people take the vaccine. So remember, this podcast is about cultural issues. And, and, I, and I see a cultural problem with our governmental policies and the way things are being held right now. See, my wife and I talked the other day that, you know, if you're on Facebook or you're around other social media outlets, you hear and are exposed to these conspiracy theories. They're everywhere. And we finally asked each other, like, why? Why are we seeing this more than we typically would see? And why in relation to this COVID virus, which is very real, uh, very problematic, and lethal? And I believe that the answer is that there's a general distrust of the government when they take something that was never theirs to carry. And the response to that as a society and as a culture is that we question their motives. Now, I'm not suggesting that their motives are sinister. And I'm not suggesting, please hear me in this, that the conspiracy theories are true. However, just as Reagan suggested, what would happen if they informed us and then got out of the way? What would happen if the government did, as Reagan suggested? Inform us of the severity of this virus that is upon us, and then get out of the way. And let us have at it, as Reagan would say. Now, I suspect, can't prove it, that the measures would have actually been stronger and more effective and actually longer lasting if the citizenry were empowered to make our own decisions, informed decisions. See, we can rally around what is right. 
and it actually creates unity rather than suspicion. We can all agree that we want to live long, healthy lives. We can all agree that we don't want to see people dying and becoming susceptible to a a pandemic-type virus. We can all agree on that. And so when we are empowered to make our own decisions and take our own risks, then it creates actually a unity rather than a suspicion. So the result of government by mystery... (laughs) that we're seeing is a crazy inconsistency in handling the virus. And if you're like me, hopefully you have caught this because government by mystery, both sides, those who are advocating extreme lockdowns and those who are just sort of going on with life, they both quote science, but rather than inform and get out of the way, the government has actually placed inconsistent restrictions. And I would argue sometimes just arbitrary restrictions, which even as me as a, as a doctor, Uh, I find myself scratching my head. (laughs) Let me just tell you a little bit what's going on in Minnesota. Our kids are back in school, but several schools have limited capacity. Some have full capacity. Does limiting capacity in schools help? We have no idea. The kids are heading back wearing masks. Well, if we're going to have our children wearing masks, then hopefully the transmission of the virus should be very minimal. But if a child tests positive, my understanding is that he's going to be out of school, he or she is going to be out of school for 10 days. Why do you need them out of school for 10 days if they're wearing masks? <laughs> Aren't we wearing masks so that we're not transmitting the virus to one, to one another? And then when the child goes back to school, guess what? There's really no major chance of them giving or getting the virus actually after they've already had it. But they'll still be required to wear masks. It's government by mystery. Fall sports were canceled. I have a daughter in volleyball and a son in football, and and their sports were canceled. They weren't very happy about it, but they were going to try to do it in spring, uh, early March. I don't know about anybody else that knows about Minnesota in early March, but they're probably going to be playing in a couple feet of snow or on a concrete hard field. I wouldn't think that would be a great idea, but fall sports were canceled yesterday. Fall sports are back on again. The Big Ten was canceled. Now the Big Ten is back again. And it's all dealing with what I would consider the lowest risk population. Now it's okay to change your mind. There's no sin against that. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind. But now they're talking about what numbers can gather. The governor said something about 250 people, but some sports have no fans. Some sports have full amount of fans. Some sports never stopped playing at all. I've heard about my nieces and nephews playing soccer and baseball and all these things that are going on as normal. It's government by mystery. I'm scratching my head. I don't, and we have no idea whether it makes a difference. Some NFL stadiums are empty. Some have up to 15,000 people. Does, does emptying the stadiums make a difference? I have no idea. Government by mystery. Costco is sometimes a great, a great cultural uh, petri dish. You can kind of see what, what's happening uh, in America based on on the policies that Costco makes. For so long, they were limiting the the age that you could come in, and only two people per card. Does limiting your customers to two person per card does it help? Does it actually make a difference in trans, transmitting or not transmitting the virus? We have no idea. It's government by mystery. And this is the problem is we feel like we're making it up as we go. 
we're quoting science, but we're not necessarily following scientific principles or understanding. And this is what happens when a government just feels like it needs to do something, because if they don't, we're incapable of guiding our own destiny, as Ronald Reagan put it. He, or he inferred that maybe it's too complex for our understanding. So the government has to do something which then creates more angst and suspicion and frustration, and the cycle continues. See, my friends, this is about we the people. And the, the role the government takes is only what we give them. I believe strongly what Ronald Reagan said. He said, there isn't any problem we can't solve if government will give us the facts, tell us what needs to be done, and then get out of the way and let us have at it. Now, I know it's easy to be, you know, Monday morning quarterback and and sit here, hopefully, as things are waning a little in this COVID crisis and look back and say, well, maybe I would have handled it differently. But remember, this podcast is about culture and this is about governmental culture. This isn't for me to sit here for 25 minutes and complain to you. I have no heart to do that and it doesn't accomplish much. But what I'm concerned about, and this is really the punchline of this podcast, I'm concerned about is what do we do next? Is this the new normal? Is every crisis that ever comes our way going to require governmental intervention? Is that what we're going to do from now on? See, this has been unprecedented. And so I'm really not here to complain. And I mentioned many times before that this has never been done before. And there is grace for that. But this doesn't need to be the new normal where government feels like they have to micromanage our lives. We're in a little bit of a dangerous position right now, kind of on a precipice, where where the government wants to reach and take more than was ever theirs to give, ever theirs to carry. So let's go back to Minnesota. What would have happened? How would it have looked if Governor Walls explained what I call the ventilator plan, which I thought was reasonable and medically speaking made a lot of sense because I'll be honest and transparent with you. I didn't want to be one of those doctors that had to make a choice because of lack of resource or ventilator management situation where I had to make a choice who lives or who dies. It's, it's, it's unthinkable. And so based on his plan, I thought it was reasonable, but what would have happened that when his plan was up and running, which after a few months we were, and in fact, we had, we had more ventilators in the state of New York. <laughs> we were really, we will and are, we were, and we are prepared for even a future surge. What would happen if he, when the ventilator plan was up and running, he made suggestions. He spoke to us about the severity of what we were facing. And then he got out of the way. I believe, and I believe this strongly going forward, that he would have had more advocates, more people reading and studying about what was best for their family. Because they had been warned and they were able to take that burden upon themselves for for their own safety, for the safety of their families. And I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have made the same conclusion. Maybe we oughtn't go out and eat right now. 
Maybe we shouldn't go to bars. Maybe we should uh, watch TV for sports for a little while, while this thing calms down because things aren't safe. Maybe we should wear masks (laughs) because it seems like the science is saying that could be helpful. And as we become informed, we become an informed citizenry. And my friends, that is a healthy American culture. Not a culture that looks to government to solve all their plans. Not a culture that looks to government to intervene and to micromanage their lives. It's not healthy. And we, at this point, need to be um, very mindful, not only what's happening today, but what happens in the future. And we need to be looking for changes and shifts based on what is happening. And we need to continue, and as I said this millions of times, to be informed to be informed. I don't believe that what's happening, and I say this even medically, that this should be the new normal. Are we going to live every year afraid of viruses? No, we need to go back to normal life because there are viruses everywhere. Everywhere. Some more serious than others, and I am not diminishing or uh, in any way trying to be... um, uh, a minimalist about the severity of what is happening in our country today. But let's have our eyes open. We can make informed decisions. We can handle this better going forward. And we don't need the government to micromanage those things. And the answer is to become informed. And the answer is to push back. Thank you for listening to me in this. And I I will continue. This is my pledge to you as a listener. Continue to to, uh, pay attention to what is happening culturally, especially on these big and important issues. I want to remind you again that our Powerhouse Family course, this is uh, really the life message of my wife and I uh, as we're uh, leaning into the most important, I believe, cultural aspect that we have, and that is family. As family goes, so goes the culture. The Powerhouse Family Course is now available as an online course, and you can get it at gofam.org. Thank you again for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Now let's go together and set and shape the culture.